Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There, there was a fair bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. I'm joined with YD. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is YD. You can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. Chicky. Hey, everybody. This is Chicky. I am Chikrin on Tumblr. Uh, we have Eon. Hi, this is Eon, and you can find me at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And two guests. We have Mr. Eon returning. Hi, this is Mr. Eon, and uh, you can find me through Mrs. Eon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Cray returning to us as well. Hi, guys. This is Cray. You can find me at crayjoy.tumblr.com. Awesome. Yay, welcome, welcome, guys. Welcome, you Yay. brave, brave souls. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, this we is just such a great episode I had to sit in. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, so as you know, or may have guessed, we are discussing Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 6. Um, and as always, we have general spoiler warnings for everything, books and show, and um, never more than any other episode, um, we will be doing rape discussion. So big, big warning there if that's an issue for you. Definitely highlight that thing in neon, that trigger warning this episode. Yeah. Um, so, um, before we even, like, begin, like, it just, I wanted to mention, you know, to anybody that might be listening is this was, like, kind of agonizing for us to even, we, we even debated not even talking about it. We really did. We really mm-hmm. did. We didn't want we, to do it yeah. for ourselves. We actually, <laughs> we even discussed not even podcasting at all the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which says and a it lot. It, you guys, it doesn't seem like we're alone. I actually tried to check into some podcasts this morning and, None of the usuals that I, I don't even listen every week, but the, the ones that I would usually tune into didn't have their episodes out yet, who normally would have. So I get the feeling we're not alone here in, in hesitating to put this one together. I'm really glad y'all did decide to do this one. I've seen uh, some reviews on YouTube, and uh, the ones I've seen haven't been good, and as ugly as this episode is, it needs to be discussed. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I've got to say, I've got to say, we've all, we've all been a little bit, <laughs> to put it mildly, frustrated by a lot of the the commentary we've been seeing online in relation to this episode, particularly in relation to the Sansa storyline. And I feel like it's it's almost an obligation on our part to now get a, a different perspective across. Yeah, I think for me the determining factor was um, uh, my husband, Mister Lot, um, when I tried to explain to him just how bad it was. He confided in me, and now I'm telling everybody, that he didn't see it that way initially. Um, so he said, I think you really do need to discuss it so that, you know, you can almost educate people that maybe aren't seeing it from the perspective that we have. As you may have guessed, I, uh, did, I allowed everybody to actually speak to each other prior to this episode. <laughs> Usually I'm much more... Moment, guys, Lot didn't even there yell was... at us all for talking about this. <laughs> no, she actually joined in. She joined in. Yeah. Yes. For our we mental needed, health, we had to... I was going to say, we actually all needed to debrief quite quite a lot after after seeing this episode. It was a really, really rough one for all of us. Yeah. 
So with a heavy heart, let's get into it. Um, we're going to start discussing the bath scene with uh, Miranda and Sansa. It's basically a scene with uh, Miranda. She in- attempts to intimidate and scare Sansa while she washes the black out of her hair. And uh, Sansa turns and basically says, not in my house, bitch. So <laughs> That was one of the few really good scenes in this episode. I think that goes well with what's developing in the canon with Sansa developing into a strong politically mind person that can actually play the game. Yeah, you could actually, you can like even hear it in her voice. Her voice was so much deeper mm-hmm. and like unwavering in this scene. It was, it was really cool. Sophie did a really good job in this. Yeah. In this, this bath scene. Yeah, it gave you just like a, a moment of hope and badassery that you're hoping yeah. you're going to yeah. see from her. Yeah. yeah, it was, well, you, you kind of had the feeling almost that she was tapping into those Stark roots. It's like she's in Winterfell, you know, she's bracing yeah. herself for something she doesn't want to do. And it was just that moment of, of just sheer grit that you kind of needed to see from her. Um, and I agree. Sophie was great. And so was the girl who plays Miranda, who it's terrible that I haven't learned her name yet. Um, she <laughs> was in really that scene too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were good. I, it's, it's funny actually because you, that is what I was expecting once we saw that scene and we see, you know, the metaphor of the, the, the dark hair being replaced by her, her tully hair, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're expecting, oh, well, now we're going to be getting a, a more empowered Sansa. I was actually kind of curious to see how the rest of rest of the episode was going to play out, and then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then it played out, yeah, yeah. And um, so, prior to the ceremony, um, Theon arrives at her door to escort Sansa, and uh, she refuses to take his arm. And uh, Theon's, of course, is very terrified of this because he knows he's going to get punished by Ramsay if she doesn't. And then we see, you know, the the scene of the wedding, which, you know, aside from the horrid people involved in the ceremony, everything was actually pretty beautiful about the scene. Dude, if I ever, at my next wedding, this is the wedding that I want. This is actually (laughs) my next wedding. (laughs) You got to keep Mr. Chicky on his toes. I mean, vow renewal. She means renewals of her vows. Yeah, yeah. But I agree. I thought, oh man, it was gorgeous looking, and it was it actually really worked beautifully to <laughs> create this really unsettling kind of atmosphere because of the contrast between how gorgeous everything looked, kind of superficially, but then how terrible the reality actually was. Like it was, I thought it was a really, really effective scene. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a it was yeah, eerie. It was eerie. It's beautiful. It yeah. was eerie. And is this the first wedding before the old gods that we've seen? It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As far as I know, yeah. I mean, Robin so Talisa kind of had a wasn't nowhere near the same. No, it wasn't, was it? They did oh, the seven. seven. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, just to step back just a little bit, uh, going back to the scene where Theon is asking Sansa to take his arm and mentioning how he's going to be punished. I, I think this is foreshadowing the biggest thing they got wrong in the final scene is they're making everything that's going on about Theon instead of Sansa. I agree. I yeah. agree. And 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 this this moment I think would have been enough for Theon. Like this this moment right here you can see how how damaged he is, you know, and how much he you can tell that he really wants to help Sansa. Like this would have been enough. This would have been okay. 
if if the unturned at this moment, people would have been like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah. I see how that could happen. So they yeah, didn't I, need... So I, I can see where they could have played out the final scene different if it had been Ramsey torturing Theon in front of Sansa for that refusal. I think they could have played up Theon's part and shown the kind of life that Sansa's going to be moving into without doing it the way they did. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That there would have given other ways to service Theon's story in this yeah. section than the choices that they made. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and then maybe that would have given Sansa a little bit of insight into Theon and maybe some sympathy towards Theon, and then that would have worked, you know, for both of their characters to go off and do whatever they're going to do later. Like, we don't know what they're going to do, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I disagree. <laughs> I agree. It's it, it was not handled well. Yeah, and you make a good point, Mr. Eon. It is kind of the beginning of the the shift of focus going from it should be Sansa's focus and it's all about Theon right from him refusing her refusing to take his arm and uh so let's let's go on to the scene itself now and I refuse to recap the particulars of the shit show fine, so. fine dude you don't have to I recap think we, the shit. I, yeah I think we all know what happened yeah in short um Ramsay rapes Sansa and demands Theon stand watch and there has been, like, a lot of outrage. I would say more outrage than not, yet there is still a bit of people out there who are defending. It depends on this, this section of the internet that you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've seen a lot of outrage on Twitter and on Tumblr. On Reddit, um, there's been outrage, but there's also been a lot of commentary that I really disagree with. There's actually been some reverse yeah. outrage. On Reddit. Reddit has actually mm-hmm. gone outraged the other way. They're outraged that this is, has been such a controversy, in fact. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of Reddit that. Reddit overreacting. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's shocking. <laughs> it is shocking, isn't it? I, I, I guess I, I, you know, I'm looking at the, at the, particularly for me, I look at the Song of Ice and Fire fandom and I guess I expected better. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was looking for, but I have to say there has been a shocking, um, amount of, of, of people kind of who de- decry the way that this was depicted and, and who were uncomfortable and have expressed that. I'm talking about critics. I'm talking about fans. But there is mm-hmm. such a reluctance to use the word rape for this scene. And this is categorically a rape. Sansa mm-hmm. has no choice here. There is no second choice. I've seen a lot of commentary that, oh, why didn't Sansa go uh, light a candle in the tower? Um, why did Sansa agree to come with Littlefinger? And it's like, do you think she had a choice but to come with Littlefinger? Did you really feel like in that scene at Moat Kaelin, she really had a choice? And do you feel like yeah. she had a choice here to go light that candle? That, I mean, why would she ever trust some random old lady who's like, oh, light a candle and somebody will come save you? I mean, this is Sansa Stark. Mm-hmm. No one comes and saves her. She knows that. And when I, they I, do, yeah. she only ends up in even more trouble. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the same with, I'm the same chicky. I've seen too many comments online about how this scene wasn't even rape. This sort of thing is just what kind of happened in medieval times. <laughs> and people saying, you know, Santa consented to this when she consented to Mary Ramsey. But the problem <sighs> with this line of thinking is that you either use the term consent, which implies that we're viewing this scene through a modern day lens, or you rely on the argument that there's no such thing as marital rape in medieval times, and there are issues with both of those, because if you're going to argue consent, you need to be aware that consent means consenting to all aspects of the sexual act, including what's done to you, where it's done to you, how forcefully it's done to you, 
and who is involved in the act, and consent cannot be coerced. Okay, so arguing for consent is arguing that Sansa had a choice in even marrying Ramsay, and as Chicky said, she really didn't have that choice. Now, if you're going to go and argue that there's no such thing as marital rape in medieval times, then you're kind of missing the fact that whilst Game of Thrones is set in a quasi-medieval society, firstly, it makes no assertions at historical context, and we just can't rely on medieval standards to justify what the showrunners are doing in Game of Thrones, and that is the continued and gratuitous depictions of sexual violence in this show. And honestly, I don't see why you would want to defend these sorts of decisions. I mean, haven't we all had enough of this? I I think a lot of these uh, defences are coming from modern thinking that's still outdated when it comes to marital rape. Because here in America, marital rape wasn't even defined as a crime until 1993. Jeez Louise. That's gross. And technically there are still states where it really still isn't a crime. Well, I mean, you know what, even even where it's not legislated, it is actually something that you don't see very often in the courts. You don't really see prosecutions for marital Mm -hmm. rape, and that that is a real shame. But yeah, it's it's something that is a sort of continuing a pervasive mentality, I think, in, in the Western world. And it's it's not being aided by what shows like Game of Thrones are doing. You know, no, some it's of, not. Some of the other things that I've seen, too, is like um, they, they say, oh, well, it happened in the books and it was actually worse in the books. So what's the big deal? Okay, you know what? You know what? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mr. Ian. The big difference between the rape scene on Ramsey's marital night in the book and the one that happened last, the other night on the show is the focus. Cause that's one thing Martin has always been absolutely adamant in is violence should be disturbing. And in the book, it was horrible, but it was something that was happening to this girl and you had to sit there and understand what she went through. Where the show failed is, I, I didn't want to see it more graphically de- depicted at all, but the way they depicted it, hearing her scream while watching Theon, it made yeah. it this homosocial interaction between Ramsay and Theon, like girl watching that we covered in uh, one of my sociology classes where the woman is just reduced to an object. She mm-hmm. is not the importance of it. It is yeah. about the other man. And that's what the scene was about. It was about Theon's turmoil having to watch it, and that was the absolute wrong angle to go. Yeah, poor dude. Absolutely. And as you said, that it is clear that that framing, that focus on Theon, it worked in a way, because I can't even count the number of messages I saw on places like Reddit after the episode aired that talked about how awful Sam's rape was for Theon. For Theon. And this is, yeah, oh. this isn't hyperbole. Like, I'm not exaggerating. People completely <sighs> bypass the effects Sam's rape would have on Sansa to offer their condolences to Theon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> how I, is I mean, this going to affect Theon? Poor Theon, did you see his face? Exactly. Well, and to get back to the book, because, you know... It, Let's start at the beginning here. This is Theon's story that we're watching play out. This is Theon's book story being played out for us on Game of Thrones. This is Theon's story. They have plucked Sansa from her story, where it's taking place in the Vale in the books. 
um, and where it's about Sansa finding a way to empower herself. <laughs> and they have placed her into a secondary character role in Theon's story. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, um, Theon has become the focus of Sansa's trauma here because that is what the focus is in the books. Yeah. And so when we talk about what happened in the book scene, yes, I, I, I do think it was from Theon's point of view. Um, it's a completely different context because Theon is made in that scene. Part of the horror of it and part of what brings Theon around is the fact that Theon is actually made to participate in the horror that happens to Jane Poole. And this is part of what finally spurs him, at least that's how I read it and how I feel, to mm. stand up for himself and for Jane is the fact that he's not just a victim, he's being made to victimize someone he doesn't want to victimize, and that's finally what what makes the turnaround, and it's one of the most spectacular things about his book arc. That is removed here. He's just a witness here. This isn't anything to do with the book scene, really, at all. So anyone who's saying, oh, well, this happens in the books, well, no, it fucking doesn't, because this isn't actually what happens in the books. This isn't remotely what happens in the books. I just had a horrible thought. What what if it's that is going to happen? I want to say that I don't think that will happen. I can't really put anything past the writers at this stage. But the thing that Chicky touched on that also should probably be highlighted, and that is that Sansa Stark is a main character in this, in this show. Jane Poole is, and I hate to say it, but she was, a, she's basically a glorified plot device, as you said, for Theon. But, you know, Sansa's got her own story. She's got her own plot. She's got her own character arc. And the notion that she can just slot right into Jane's spot in the story, like women are interchangeable monopoly pieces, that's disturbing enough. But then we have the added goodness of Sansa, who's already suffered abuse and the threat of sexual violence multiple times. You know, she's she, she's not the only one. I mean, think back to what the show has done in terms of making what were pretty much consensual scenes of sex in the books into non-consensual sex scenes like... You know, and says the mom with Danny and Drogo. Danny like, and Drogo. And I've seen this compared to that one. And you know what? Even with Mira Reed, remember what they did to Mira Reed last mm-hmm. season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. That <sighs> well, was... and think of what they did to Roz. I mean, think of Roz's death. Absolutely. I mean, that... <laughs> that yeah, was... And that followed on the heels of Roz. Yeah, talk talk about gratuitous. Never forget that scene where Roz was made to abuse another prostitute at Joffrey's urging. Another entirely yeah. invented show scene. Um, this is something that they've reveled in. It's something they've relied on. I am going to say this is basically a crutch for them. It's one of their crutches that they fall back on to to raise the the dramatic stakes um, and to frankly get gasps out of the audience. I mean. They, they seem to be in this habit of trying to top themselves. I mean, you know, they had Ned's beheading, which is very much a book scene. And then they, they move on to the next really gripping book scene, which is the Red Wedding. And they actually topped George, which is tough to do when it comes to violence. <laughs> and they hmm. had that horrible scene of Talisa's unborn baby being stabbed in her womb. That, that was the killing blow for Talisa was her baby being cut out of her, basically. And mm. that was an added scene. And this is just a habit that they've fallen into of just constantly trying to top themselves. And this case, more than any other case, has been just entirely gratuitous to me because these characters haven't moved anywhere that they weren't at the beginning of this scene. Nobody That's hates Ramsay any more than they did. Sansa already hated Ramsay and, and Bruce. She already wanted them dead. Theon already wanted them dead. No, no one is anywhere new. That the audience doesn't learn anything new about Ramsay. We already know he's a monster. In fact, we're sitting here going, "Well, he could be worse than this." I mean, that this is, is exactly nothing new right. for anyone. 
if you're going to use rape as a plot point, if you're going to use female exploitation as a plot point, if you're going to violently assault a woman sexually, particularly after having done it time and time again, you need a damn good reason for doing so. And you need to do it with care. You need to do it with proper justification. You need to do it with due regard for the character being raped, um, with regard to the narrative, with regard to the viewer. And none of this is being done in Game of Thrones. They seem really happy to use female rape and female exploitation as a narrative climax. But then they, they fail to incorporate the rape into the character's story going forward. They, they don't seem to care about the aftermath of the rape or why it was done or what exactly is the point of this rape. Well, this is one of the other things that I've seen is that, you know, well, this will eventually all come out in the wash. It'll be okay because Sansa will get her revenge and, you know, this scene will somehow make that revenge even greater. But why did Sansa need to be raped to feel vengeful towards Ramsay and Roos? I mean, Roos was responsible for the death of half her family. Why was this necessary? No, I agree. I'm just playing devil's advocate from yeah. Oh, no, I know. Stupid I've just, I've shit. Seen <laughs> that I've seen that justification online and it's infuriating. It's yeah. like Arya is going to get her revenge and Arya didn't have to be raped to want it. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't and go there. I, I think this is... Don't give them ideas, <laughs> Mr. Eon. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to give anybody <laughs> ideas. But I, I think this scene is the worst example from something I've seen building in this season, and that's television writers trying to interpret a literature masterpiece from an artist they don't truly comprehend. Because whenever Martin does violence, whether it's a battle, a rape, or even the smallest degree, it has a purpose. Like you were saying, this doesn't move the story. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You go ahead, Chiggy. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say the other thing that this does, and and, and it's actually counter to the purposes that the show is trying to achieve when they put in a scene like this. It makes you disconnect from the characters. We're on the fifth season of this show. Um, With the amount of of violence that we experience in this show, um, you you reach a point where you just can't be that connected to the characters anymore yeah, because you just assume something disguise. terrible is going to happen. And this is uh, a line that Martin manages to walk in the books because he never makes you disconnect from the characters just because there's a threat mm-hmm. of violence. And it's something that they don't seem to understand and seem to have just completely lost the plot with because you can feel it happening in fandom that people are disconnecting. They're just kind of, I mean, I'm not saying everybody has quit watching the show, but you just feel a kind of backing off, just like a... Uh, just, and it's not because it's a, it's a dark story or because it's a story without a happy ending. We all knew that going in. It's yeah. just because it's just so unrelentingly awful that you can't even make yourself care anymore. Yeah. That's and the rationali- rationalizations are becoming weaker and weaker. I actually just want to go back. I know you, you, you mentioned Aria and I think it's, if we were to compare, like Aria and Sans are what, a year apart? Uh, Two years. I think it's two. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Not very, very far in age. Could you imagine if they had tried this storyline with Arya? Oh God! Why is the out- the outrage would be tremendously worse if it was Arya's character? You know what's interesting is I've heard, I've seen, and heard some of the commentary saying, "Well, you know, Sansa, Sansa should have been more like Arya in this scene," and I just oh, wanted God. to punch yeah. someone in the face. I, I mean, talk the- about victim blaming. Yeah, I think in the book, their arcs in the book, while completely different, kind of mirror each other. They're both achieving power 
and gaining control of their lives, but in different ways. Arya is becoming a trained killer. Sansa has become the protege of Littlefinger. She's mm-hmm. learning to play the game. She's gaining power, and that's one of the things that upset me about this scene. They took someone who was becoming a very strong female role and stripped her of all her power, turned her into an object and a story device for Theon. That's exactly right. She is yeah. Sansa, someone who is on a completely different journey in the books. I mean, we, we've seen, I think, I don't know if all of you guys have read the, the latest Winds excerpt of Sansa in the Vale, but, you know, this is a, a character who is kind of taking charge of her sexuality. Yeah. She's learning to manipulate. She's, She's finally thriving. finding, right. She's finding her voice and the show has just stripped that all away. And honestly, it's even a step back to show Sansa when you think about it. I mean, at the last, at the end of the last season, we saw yeah. a, a different Sansa. She was taking charge of a situation. She'd undergone a, a makeover, both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> and, and she was, you know, we saw her manipulating her environment to her benefit with that, you know, scene with Littlefinger. And now, you know, what is she now? We've got a, a Sansa who's... Sorry, Craig, you go ahead. I was just going to say, not even last season. It's a step back from the Sansa we saw, like, two minutes before the scene even happened when she was in the tub. Like, totally. (laughs) She's kind of been wavering this season because, I mean, even the the fact that she's being manipulated by Littlefinger into into this (laughs) being in this situation in the first place, the fact that she agreed to go to Winterfell, I'm still trying to reconcile what's happening with Sansa. Does she just implicitly trusts Littlefinger. I mean, we discussed this last time, I think, Chicky, remember we talked about the, the interview the with Sophie interview. Turner. Yeah. Oh, sorry, with Gwen, and she was saying yeah. how really when uh, when Brienne and Sansa meet, Sansa's actually sort of trying to convey with her eyes, hey, get out of here, it's not a it's not a safe place for you to be in. That didn't so, come across, though. <laughs> no, it didn't. But, I mean, what are they, what is the show trying to say with Sansa? Is she... With Littlefinger, is she being manipulated by Littlefinger? Does she know the danger that she's in? Well, it's, it's I think, confusing. you know what it is? Sansa's motivation has fallen victim the same way that Littlefinger's has. It's that they have contorted themselves to place her in this plot. And let's not fool ourselves. They have absolutely contorted themselves to make the scene that we saw at the end of episode six happen. And well, we unless know you that they yourself, to right, unless, it, don't we? yourself that they didn't and that that wasn't the point that absolutely was they actually said in an in an interview what after episode two or three that there was a subplot in the books that they really wanted to do but the character wasn't in the show and so they just had to have sansa do it instead so actually of all the things that they've cut of all the things that they couldn't do this this storyline the the horrible victimization of 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 chain pool was what they absolutely went out of their way, crazy out of their way to make happen. And everything has been sacrificed. And I bet it's, just, it's Littlefinger. I mean, Littlefinger's characterization has suffered a lot oh, this season. I was going to say, yeah, and I was- bet if you had asked anybody what storyline could you like, please cut and that we're okay with not seeing, oh, yeah. it would have been Jane Pools. But when we did the season five preview, at, we actually asked ourselves that question, which scene do you don't, don't you want to see from dance? And I think we all agree that this was the scene we didn't want to see from dance. And I think you made a good point as far as uh, shooting Littlefinger in the foot, because it seems to me his story arc is he's positioning everything so he will not only be warden of the Vale, but also warden of the North and control half the Empire. Why would Sansa ever side with him even after the Boltons and the Stark and uh, 
Sorry, I forgot the other king. <laughs> uh, Stannis. <laughs> yeah, it is wiped out after Littlefinger put her in the position for this scene to happen. Yeah, I mean, the idea that Sansa agreed to go along with Littlefinger's plan is the flimsiest of of motivations for me. I just don't understand it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just put it out there that Littlefinger doesn't give a shit about Sansa, and he's just about taking down all the great houses that he can. Well, I mean, I think I've, I said this in a previous episode. I think he cares about her in a twisted way, but I think obviously he cares about power more. So, yeah, it's Sansa, she's the Caitlyn that he never had. <laughs> I think yeah. he cares, I think he cares about, I mean, I have this in, in my notes for, uh, one of the other scenes, so maybe I'll just talk about it then. But you oh. know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the other scenes, are we okay to move on from this, or is there anything like, else? Oh, God. Can I have a minute? <laughs> uh, we, we could probably do <laughs> three hours on this one scene. <laughs> <laughs> we sure could. I'll bet people are like, oh, they're going to talk about the rest of the episode. You know what pisses me the fuck off about this is? I actually really liked this episode, you guys. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, this me moment. too. The I rest of it, was, I enjoyed the episode. Other than the sand snakes. Oh, I'm fucking really don't much with the crowd. <laughs> The Crash of the Furious Sand Snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay, I think we're all chomping at the bit to discuss the Sand Snakes, so we'll go there. No. No. no, no. <laughs> just let's jump everywhere. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just like, jump around. This episode is just half us discussing Sansa's rape and then half us discussing the Sand Snakes. <laughs> I can't no, let's do it. Only thing is with S. No, I can't do it. I can't jump around in my notes like, like that. We're going to the beginning, guys. Sorry. There, there <laughs> were some good scenes in this uh, episode, though. Awesome. Great yeah. scenes. And I think we're about to start off with one. Yeah, this is uh, Arya. She's still washing dead bodies. Um, she's not allowed to go downstairs yet. Um, the Waif tells Arya a story about how she came to the House of uh, White and Black, and Arya believes her. And uh, it was a test, and it just proves that she's not ready. And then Jacken later tests her again. Um, he starts whacking her with this stick every time he catches her in a lie until she falls and bleeds and gets mad. This was so awesome. This, this I love everything thing. about this. Oh, God, oh. and Maisie was so good. She was so Go ahead, cry. No, I didn't, no. I just was gonna say, I've read the, I've read the books, and even listening to the wave story, I'm like, oh, like I was believing it. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm, so yeah. I'm glad that they included that, actually. The, the whole, was that true or a lie? Because that's one of the games that Ari has to play, or I guess one of the trials she has to undergo, um, over and over in the books. So it was a nice little nod to the books as well. Yeah, yeah. and I, I loved that- it the way that they played it out, didn't you guys? I mean, like, I, it just was, like, they really let it breathe. The whole mm-hmm. thing got a chance to breathe. They really showed her cleaning the bodies and, like, just created atmosphere. I thought it was really mm-hmm. spectacular the way... Th- I mean, I couldn't really see much, I'll be honest, but... <laughs> the sweating was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, bad. But from what I could hear, it was really good. Yeah. No, look, I, I agree with you. I actually did my uh, my rewatch of this show at night time, just so I could see it a little bit better. It still wasn't fantastic, <laughs> but... Um, but, man, that scene with Arya and Jacken, or the kindly man, or whoever he is... I thought that was incredible. The, the whole, um, lying motif and, you know, this is, this is the story that Arya wants to tell. You know, this is what she tells herself happened at night when she's alone in the dark. This is who she wants to be. Um, what does she say? She talks about her father dying in battle and how she stabbed the stable boy in the back and, and it was Polliver. This is interesting. It's Polliver who kidnapped her, not the hound. 
um, just kind of providing a little window, I guess, into to mm. Arya's real feelings about the Hound and yeah, how she and, she says how she hated him and he she hated her. him. She I left him to die. Yeah, which is I something think that's I'm glad a lot they of the readers' views on the Me Hound too. Because uh, yeah, we I all agree. started hating him, but you just yeah. end up pitying him by the end of it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go into the next one, um, and it's Jorah and Tyrion, and they get the most romantic settings, don't they, these two? <laughs> I should <have> just <laughs> So Tyrion talks of his father and his reason for being on the run, and he accidentally reveals that Commander Mormont um, is also dead. And uh, yeah. the reaction um, by Ian Glenn I thought was so well done. Oh, yes, he's mm-hmm. his man pain about Papa Bear. That was, oh God. <laughs> I um, I like the little uh, you know. He, oh, he was murdered by his own men. Oh, I wonder if that will ever happen to another Lord Commander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did pick up on that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah Glenn's face—the way that he was kind of swallowing—and you could just see it all in his face. What he was feeling. Oh God, it was so good. And he kind of looked up. He looked behind him, like just sort of regretting don't wishing cry, he could be there. Yeah, conceal, don't feel everything. <laughs> Looking into Jorah the direction of the a, wall. <laughs> Jorah is really not having a good week. You know, he's he found out his dad's dead. He's got the gray scale. What if we find out Danny's getting married? It's going to be three. Holy three. shit. I know when we were watching this episode on Sunday, Mr. Eon brought up a, something I haven't noticed, but... Um, Tyrion's scar seems to be moving a little bit. <laughs> the place is, is going, it's like shifting. It, it's creeping face. off the right side of his face. <laughs> it's going to be gone all together. Yeah. That's funny. You would notice so, those things. Didn't you guys feel, this was the first time I really felt really great chemistry between Tyrion and Jorah. This was, I finally was feeling what I've been kind of hoping for from them, and I, I was just loving the crap out of this. And I, it was interesting how they interplayed this with the Arya stuff, um, and I just adored it. I mean, I loved everything about the beginning of this episode. Like, the first 10 or 15 minutes were just gorgeous and amazing. Mm-hmm. I yep. think you're right. I agree with you. I, I wasn't, hadn't really been feeling the dynamic between Jorah and Tyrion. I had been a little disappointed in previous episodes, but they really, really shone in this episode, yeah. I thought. It was like as soon as Jorah said, do you ever shut up? Because that's something that Jorah would never say in any of the other episodes. Like, it's a kind of a side of him you've never seen before, and <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden he just kind of got fed up, and he's just like, you know what, be quiet. <laughs> I was thinking that it was, a, it was a tone of voice we've never heard from Ian Glenn before, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. It was almost like a Brienne and Jamie moment in a lot of ways. Oh, it's so sweet. It's <laughs> Always got to bring it back. <laughs> All right, so... Oh, I did think you have this something? is uh, setting up Jorah's redemption, and they handled it a lot better than uh, the foreshadowing, like you were talking about, of uh, the betrayal of the Lord Commander and everything. Because uh, it seems to me a lot of the foreshadowing in this season is being done very heavy-handed, like all okay. the talk about the grayscale, okay. and yeah. then suddenly Jorah's got it. But this is more of a Martin-style foreshadowing, because it, it's given a chance to reconnect with the character, and you see that as messed up as the things Jorah did, that he's still a good man deep inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. I, unless they just screw it up, I think we're going to see it by the end of the season. We'll, we'll get to see him make his redemption. Yeah, well, and I kind of like how, you know, the amount of spotlight that Tyrion gets means means in this situation that Jorah's getting some spotlight. It's kind of nice to let his character 
kind of kind of have moments, really quiet moments, which are something we just haven't seen much of from him for the last Away three from, seasons, really. Yeah, well, that's because he's really been uh, he's, he's really been, been stuck. Stuck with Danny, and when you're around Danny, really, I think the storyline pretty much revolves around Danny. So you're right; he's getting a little chance to breathe, and and I guess show a little bit of uh, developing his characterization a little bit more. I guess it's been a little bit one note. Yeah, that's true because he's mostly been kind of like the narrator for everybody, like explaining everything, (laughs) right? Basically, yeah. I mean, he is the he is the uh, (laughs) expository character, I guess, for what's going on in Westeros and. Everything. He's like the encyclopedia, like for Danny. Yeah, Yeah. it's nice to see him step out of that. uh, I guess advisor slash lovesick puppy role. (laughs) Okay, Uh, Arya. um, We're going back um, to Arya's scene. Um, She's scrubbing floors again when she's interrupted by a father with his dying girl. Arya tells the girl a story full of lies, then gives her a drink from the pool of suicide juice. <laughs> the story she told must have impressed Jackin enough that she's now allowed to go into the basement where there are thousands of faces of the dead stored in massive pillars. So this good and creepy could have used brighter candles, though I think. <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome set design. That it looked nothing like I imagined it from the books, but I, I yeah. really, really liked it. It was it was really epic. I think. Yeah, that's what um, I wrote down too. It's- so it was way, way bigger, way more immense, and way more creepy than I imagined it. It was. I saw yeah. someone. Uh, I saw someone make a comment on Reddit about how on earth do they reach the faces at the very top? <laughs> a little, a little like wheelie a ladder. ladder. Yeah, little, like the library, <laughs> like Belle in Beauty and the Beast, one of them ladders. <laughs> they just dance and sing around. And put up faces. This is why Tyrion is not a faceless man. <laughs> He's got a smaller selection to choose from. <laughs> Was anyone else looking for Benjamin's face? I, I, was looking for the, I was looking for that George Bush face. <laughs> <laughs> I kept waiting oh, for the eyes to pop open on that one that uh, Aria was about to touch. I was just waiting for it. <laughs> that would I, awesome. I, I have to give props to the show for how they're handling Aria's book storyline this season because, honestly, I've got to say, I'm not the hugest fan of Aria's story and dance. Um the way the show is presenting her in these episodes, they're really kind of highlighting her empathy. Um, it's making me feel more connected to the character and it's making me care a little bit more about her. I mean, I still like Arya and Arya is one of my favourite female characters in the books, but that was kind of a, a bit more subdued when I was reading Dance, I have to yeah. say. Not, oh, yeah. dude, I am so with you there. Of, of all the books and... It's so funny how Arya is the only character who's in every one of the five books of the Song of Ice and Fire, but of all the books, <laughs> dance is the hardest Arya bits for me to get through. But I, I loved it, and I think it's, it's a lot of it is just down to Maisie being spectacular, but the, the way that she, she played out that scene with the little girl as she's talking through it, and, 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 you know, you can just feel so much of Arya in there, and it's, it's kind of a mistake when people think she's a psychopath, because she, she really does have a lot of empathy. And you can hear, you can hear her. She's someone who understands what it is to have no hope and to need hope. And you would have to understand those things to know what lie to tell in that moment. And it's so amazing from such a young kid. It was that really exactly beautiful. Right. Really yeah. Well and you know, I, I just need to point out because I've seen people question her motivation here. She doesn't know that Jacken is watching. Her display of empathy here is, is genuine. And like you said, Chicky, it was so touching to watch. It was such a sweet 
scene. Um, and it just, oh, yeah, the characterization of Arya, that is something the show is doing so, so right for me. I, yeah. I think a big issue with the, the difference between the book and the story is uh, the show has just got the pacing of the story so much better than the book. The book kind of oh, draws yeah. on for me. Agreed. Uh, I agree. One thousand percent. Okay, let's go on to the next scene. Um, on a romantic romp through a grassy field, <laughs> Tyrion and Jorah discuss the right and ability of Daenerys Targaryen to sit on the Iron Throne. They get near the water, and then Jorah recognizes a slaver's ship. They are ambushed. Jorah is beaten. Um, they see value in selling Jorah. Tyrion is ordered to be killed, and they will keep his cock. Uh, <laughs> There's a hilarious line from Tyrion where, you know, it's a dwarf-sized cock, and he says, guess again. I thought, <laughs> it. Yeah, it may be a guy thing, but that was my favorite line of the whole I show. I love that line, too. <laughs> it's not a guy thing. It's, it's hilarious. Thing. I love that there are apparently cock merchants. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, 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 it's people exist. Cock merchant. I have Is my this, new favorite insult. Is this like... Like, they're handed down, like, generations and gener- generations of cock merchants, uh, like proud uh, families. <laughs> it's a family trade. You have rum shooting out my nose. Perfect. You know what I loved? I loved that earlier on, when they were kind of tramping through the field, that Tyrion was us. He was, like, questioning oh Danny. Yes. I know. I had the same thought. I love that Tyrion is the audience insert in this scene, or at least the part of the audience that is us. <laughs> so a woman who has not spent a single day of her adult life in Westeros becomes the ruler of Westeros. That's justice. Good plan. Why Danny is the rightful heir, and why is she the rightful heir? You know, I mean, obviously the throne's now been taken by battle. That's something that happens. It's, yeah, Tyrion's us. Good for yep. Tyrion. Yep. See, I, I think the show is actually making me believe that Daenerys has a better chance of winning the Iron Throne than the book does. Because the Greyjoy uh, line that has been completely cut out of the show has me really doubting that Danny's ever going to actually make it to Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> well, God knows it's going to take another four or five books to get her there. <laughs> summated by grayscale. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Tyrion's mouth keeps him alive for a little bit more. Um, then he suggests he that they Tyrion put... Keeps him alive for a little bit Yeah, more. his, well, his mouth and his, uh, his telling them that you're like, made me like fumble here. <laughs> <laughs> he suggests that they put Jorah in the fighting pits of Marine and then Tyrion even name drops Jamie saying, you know, that Jorah had beaten Jamie Lannister. Uh, Jorah tells the slavers that killing, uh, Jorah tells the slave, slavers about killing Drogo's blood riders and that seems to grab their attention enough to convince them to keep them alive and yeah, send them away um, I just want to touch on what Mr. Ian was saying uh, previously and that is this is another area of the, the story where the show is doing an excellent job of streamlining uh, what is the unwieldy nature of the books um, I have, I'm re- I've been quite impressed with the way that they've been presenting Tyrion um, Tyrion's story and how how the how it's sort of fitting into the marine storyline. I mean, obviously they're on their way now. Um, I think they're doing a really good job with it. So, yeah. wasn't the pale Mary 
carried by slave ships into Marine. Is that how the mayor made it to Marine? Mm-hmm, I think so. So is this going to be the whole grayscale ship? That's what I've been saying. <laughs> say like Jorah's going to give the, the, the pirates high fives and he's giving them grayscale. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I feel I like we're going to be out of Marine before there would be a chance to be an outbreak of anything. I just don't see that on the show. There's Does there's anyone think that uh, Jorah is going to take Strong Bella's place in the uh, first fight in the fighting pits? Oh, well, we've seen, oh, yeah. we've seen spoiler pictures, I think, of Ian Glenn in one of the smaller fighting pits, so we do know that he is, he will be fighting. Are you Please asking us if part. we think Jorah's going to take a dump? Is <laughs> <laughs> that what you're that. asking us? <laughs> <laughs> that's a serious question. going to eat those poison honey locusts? Yeah, that's what, you better not. <laughs> I mean, he already has grayscale. <laughs> don't really need him to yeah, be let him go out with some poison. Poor well, guy. I would have to admit, I would find it hilarious to see the actor that plays Jorah <laughs> drop trowel and take a dump. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be so out of character. But I mean, grayscale really, could be making him nuts. I would say, look, good. The grayscale could be making him nuts. So <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> Well, the way it's progressing, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to the next scene. Um, it's Littlefinger. He's home in King's Landing. Uh, Lancel informs him that the city is no has no more use for flesh peddlers. And uh, Littlefinger retorts, we both peddle fantasies, just mine are more entertaining. Zing. He has a point. Yeah. And then Littlefinger meets up with Cersei. They talk the arrest of Loras, the faith militant, and one's choice in companions. They also talk about Lysa Arryn. Uh, Cersei slams her quite a bit here. She wants to know if the Knights of the Vale will fight for Tommen. Uh, Littlefinger informs her about Sansa. Cersei wants to skin both Roose and Ramsay alive at the the news. Um, I'm on Team Cersei with that little bit. And Littlefinger advises she let Stannis and Roos go at it, and then he offers the Knights of the Vale. In return, he wants the North. So they managed to salvage a little bit of Littlefinger here for me. When I was watching this, I was like, thank God he didn't just try to brazen it out and pretend that Sansa wasn't up at Winterfell, because that would have been just ludicrous. <laughs> she would- She'll never find out. Well, I was worried about it, honestly, what, like, cause, you know, we, we knew that Littlefinger was gonna end up back in King's Landing, and I was like, what is gonna happen when he gets up well, back I'm, there? I, I still find it unbelievable that Cersei it is. wasn't aware that, uh, that yeah. was in- Everyone else knew. Everyone in Westeros knew that Senza was there, except for Cersei Lannister. Dude, if Brienne knows where she is, everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm looking for a maid of three and ten. <laughs> oh yeah, she's at Winterfell. <laughs> okay, so I gotta ask, I gotta ask, what, what, okay, we saw Cersei send the letter off to bring Littlefinger to King's Landing. It surely wasn't just for this exchange of, are you going to back the crown? I mean, she brought him back, I assume, to make the Oliver thing happen that we see later in the episode, right? But they don't address it at all in this scene. What, what, did you guys have any read on that? I, Oh, God, oh, I didn't even honestly, think about like, that. No, because that's what I initially thought. When we saw the spoilers, I thought, oh, she's going to bring him back. So, um, you know, he can sort of initiate the proceedings against Loras. But yeah. I'm actually not sure now. I mean, <laughs> with all the, the lack of justification for what the showrunners have been doing lately, I wonder if... <laughs> if there really is no no motivation for Littlefinger or for Cersei to contact Littlefinger to come back, other than the fact that she 
she wanted to confirm that she has his backing. But yeah, why would that need need to be done in person for a start? Hmm. Well, they just needed Littlefinger away from Winterfell. Well, that's right. That's it. Yeah, clearly that's clearly that's it. But it's like, couldn't they come up with any reason? I mean, it's so flimsy that he's just there for her to feel like he's still behind her. I mean, that's silly. I don't know. I'm trying to just roll with this stuff. Some of it seems to me that uh, they've just shredded the book and they're randomly pulling passages out. (laughs) Yeah, I've said in a previous episode that it really does feel like half the time that the writers have a checklist of major book plot lines that they want to include in the show and they're kind of slotting them in there without any regard for providing the proper context for them to actually make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know... (sighs) I don't know why, why, why Cersei asked Peter to be here. Like, we, I, we didn't get it in the scene, but I think the reason they wanted them to meet face to face and have this conversation was to make more clear that when, that Cersei one has no one to send to Winterfell. Like, she knows Sansa's there, no one to send, because everybody's gone, she's sent everyone away. Uh, two, to remind people that Peter, saw Arya Stark and didn't give her up to Cersei, instead only told Sansa that, oh yeah, I saw your sister serving Tyrion Lannister at Harrenhal. And, um, and to give Littlefinger the reason to bring all of the, the Knights of the Vale over to Winterfell without, um, anybody, I guess, in Westeros sort of questioning him, because he'll have a royal decree. So yeah. if doing all that yeah. in letters would kind of be like, confusing or so they'd had to meet face to face I think to have this conversation mm. and we I don't know why that like I don't know why she sent for him necessarily but she was lonely yeah she had no one to yeah. talk to she's like I need a good little little one on one he is with here my for enemy, the purposes of exposition mm-hmm. one of the things that has irritated me about the show and the book is you've got multiple people with these extensive spy networks and no one seems to realize that Littlefinger is behind everything that has happened in the series. Yeah. Oh, that was one of my favorite moments, actually, when she's, when Cersei's yelling at him and she's like, Sansa, Sansa helped kill my son, but she's like yelling at the guy who actually helped kill her son and he's yeah. just sitting there. Like, sure. <laughs> A little bit of dramatic irony. Yeah. And I was, I wasn't talking to YD about it. I'll just mention that I was listening. I watched the <laughs> podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> or, no, I watched the episode again because um, I'm obsessed with the soundtrack. So I was just kind of listening to see what kind of what character themes and stuff they were using in the different scenes. And at the very end of this scene, they start playing the Baelish theme that plays like every time he's kind of planning something or one of his little plans <laughs> is going on. Is that the theme that you play before you go to bed every night? It's my lullaby. <laughs> that's like before every music. before every ball game. That's her hype music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that you pay attention to that stuff, though. I've I never, it. I've never really paid attention oh to the God. background music. I made a whole, like, hour-long YouTube video just compiling them all. But this, that is amazing. This, <laughs> um, I never knew he had his own Darth Vader music. Me either. It's pretty creepy. And you, I mean, I guarantee you guys have all heard it. And, and then once you hear, it, you'll be like, "Oh my God, there it is!" So as soon as he was saying, <laughs> Cersei, like, as soon as he was saying, Cersei, um. I live to serve, or whatever he said. It had like the the Baelish music behind it. Like he's lying. He's just uh, <laughs> that's, that's great. Kind of, <laughs> that's that's me, so. part of the episode. Oh, cool. 
All right. Speaking of our favorite parts of the episode, let's go oh, on to Tristane and Marcella. <laughs> They're making out in the water gardens. That's I actually what they thought their to do. scene was kind of cute. What? <laughs> Get out. No. <laughs> it's, it's. Compared was, to the fight scene that's coming up yeah. in a minute, it was downright amazing. That's a, that's a low bar, Mr. Ian. But no, I agree with you in a way. I think it's, it was a, it was a sweet little scene. Look, it was a very cliche kind of scene. It was yeah. like a slight more mature Romeo and Juliet to me. It was, um, I saw on a video earlier today, uh, someone claimed that, uh, Game of Thrones is starting to remind them of a CW show. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can hilarious. see this thing. It's, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Game of Thrones. <laughs> CW shows have far better fight choreography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like half half CW show, like half swashbuckler. It was a lot of things going on. You know when what it reminded me of? You know what the fighting reminded me of? It reminded me of like the fighting in Hercules. Or you know what? Oh, yeah. It reminded me of. It reminded me of. Um, Disappointed. <laughs> It reminded me. one of them have a whip? Like, all these ones have a cool weapon, and there's just oh, one. I think Nymeria, like, through the short straw, just has a whip. Like, she's just whipping yeah, people. The- <laughs> and then something that's so good hand to hand combat. Uh, I just want to say for the record, Lucy Lawless would have been a better. Oh, Hells yeah. <laughs> Lucy Lawless in all the roles. <laughs> I would watch it. Playing the role of all the sand snakes. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? The fight choreography it reminded me of an episode of Power Rangers. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it was that level of coincidence. I mean, what are the chances that uh, oh, yeah. sending these guys to go kidnap Marcella at exactly the moment that Jamie and Braun Happened to just walk straight up to Marcella oh, in the gardens. I mean, like it's just what? like coincidence on coincidence. Like what? They they took the same cab. Like <laughs> 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 what? Yeah. Sand have to introduce herself to people that already know her. Oh, I don't understand. Right. <laughs> myself. This woman nominated for an Academy Award. This woman was nominated for an Academy Award. She's better than this. Hey, whale riders, she, great movie. Better than she's a whale. She needs to ride into battle on a whale. And then- <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> wrong weapon. Oh gosh, and like it was so. Um, oh, I, the one part oh, that really irritated me was the I can't think of her name. The one that plays Mia on that fairy movie. Ty- anyway, Tyene. She pulls um, Marcella away. Like so, what is their intent? I thought they just wanted to kill her, or are they oh, trying wait, to kidnap her? That that That's not Maria. Because yeah, she had the whip, and she couldn't do anything. So they're like, just go and pull her away. Because she had like <laughs> size, but didn't she? She had, she had weapons. I thought she's going to be working for Littlefinger <laughs> if she uses a whip. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god! Yeah, no. I think they were trying to kidnap her to then kill her. I guess. I don't. What the fuck is going on? I think she could have slit her throat right then and there and just ended it. Like, what the hell? Why was she pulling her away? I mean, it's tough to even theorize about what's going on with this Dornish thing because it's just so disconnected from any sort of grounding in reality. I mean, it's like it's like you had Tristane. Is that how they're saying all 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 these years? It's so funny. My sister was like, "What did they say, Tristan or Tristane?" Because I've always been like, "It can't be Tristane. It's got to just be Tristan." No, it's Tristane. Spelling things weird. It's Tristane, which is just ridiculous. George, <laughs> anyway, well, you have. Funny. This... I always thought it was Tristane, just because of the e on the end. Yeah, no idea. The I assume that George just does stupid stuff like that, but he doesn't want you to pronounce it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there watching the Marcella and Tristane scene and going, "Okay, 
what is the reason that they're not married yet? Why are they discussing this? Like, why would he need to talk to his dad when they're engaged? What's the big deal? Just why aren't they married? Um, and then you had, you had Duran and Ario Hotel looking out at the water gardens and, and talking about Marcella and Tristan and why are we even discussing their match? I mean, what is there to discuss? Yeah. Um, and then you have Ilaria randomly sending them out to do, I assume kidnap her, although they had talked about killing her before. Marcella right. is her I'm talking about. And then you have Jamie and Braun just wandering. I mean, there's so much coincidence. There's so much um, kind of little bits of maybe this is a plot thread that they're dropping or maybe not. You don't even really know. I mean, you just kind of have to sit back and enjoy it as just a shit show. I mean, like, and as a shit yeah. show, it was pretty entertaining, I got to say. <laughs> I have to say, it's the worst fight scene that Game of Thrones has ever had. And it, honestly, it is, this yeah. season has had the two worst fight scenes of the whole show. This one and the the fight between Barris and Selmy and um the Sons of the Harpies was pretty bad too. Yeah. And, and this was worse. This was way worse. The, the music the music during this fight scene just made it feel like it was an action comedy the whole time. Didn't Braun get um slashed by Tyene's uh, uh, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's Dangerous. a lot of talk about him being poisoned, poisoned. dagger, yeah. But like, I needed to check. I don't know if you remember Chicky, but wasn't there a Tyene audition video circulating around last well, year, which had we had the Obara uh, video circulating, but there was a transcript of the Tyene video. I never saw that thing. Supposedly, some people saw it, but it was there pretty was well documented. Yeah. yeah, and actually, I've seen the transcripts, and yes, in the transcripts, supposedly, Tyene is taunting Braun and telling him that she has poisoned him by cutting him, and yes, she eventually absolutely. gives him the antidote at the end of the scene after he tells her that she's beautiful. So, I have yes, every expectation that we're going to see that next week or the week after. Yeah, okay. that seems a very traditional television plot twist. It, it doesn't seem something like something Martin would do. None of this really seems like anything Martin would do. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is anything that Martin has done. Martin's going to drop dead just to roll in his grave, all right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, don't die before you release wins, you old bastard. <laughs> hey, I still stand by my assertion the next major character to die will be Martin. Get out. Oh, no. Get out. Get out. Get, get out. Craig, <laughs> tell him to get out. Get <laughs> out. <laughs> get out. Very dramatic. <laughs> All right. So we go from the best entrance ever, um, I think, uh, Lady Olena Tyrell, which she like rides up in her carriage, okay. opens the little window thingy and says, you smell the shit from five miles away. I'm like, yeah, you can smell the shit. That scene that we just had. <laughs> you, yeah, you, but that's that scene, scene, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, the guy yells halt. She opens a thing. Says it smells like shit, and then says, "Why have we stopped? Continuing." Like, Why did they stop? He wanted to stop and smell the shit. Obviously, I feel like they were just showing off their budget. I mean, like yeah. this whole scene was like just gratuitous. Talk about gratuitous! This scene was gratuitous. I can't believe that they spent money to put this together. It kind of puts the whole tar thing in perspective. I gotta say, I was like, oh, maybe that wasn't as big a deal as I thought. If they had to do this, no, no, don't think that way. Some of that money on the flat choreography. <laughs> right. You know, of all the non-canon stuff I've seen this uh, season, bringing the Queen of Thorns back, I- I'm okay with that. I, I love uh, that actress and that character. Totally yeah, agree. Diana, yeah. Diana Rigg is. Diana Rigg. <laughs> I want her to be my grandmother. I want her to be my country. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love Lady Olana Tyrell? I'll tell you who. 
merchants. Anyway. <laughs> so I do want to just to mention, give a nod out to the, the, I guess the art department for that wide shot of King's Landing. That it was all surrounded by the water. I thought that was beautifully done. So I'll, I'll give some props there. Um, in King's Landing, Olana meets uh, with Marjorie first. Um, she tells her to rest that she basically looks like shit, and then she says, "Let me deal with Cersei." Uh, Cersei and Olana meet. Um, Cersei um, just keeps writing, kind of like her father Tywin. When we saw that exchange. Um, so they exchange polite insults and threats. Cersei eventually returns to writing and dismisses Olana. And it's like, war is on. You know what was so great about this scene is that you can tell that Cersei was clearly expecting an encounter like the one she has with Marge, you know, with you know all the cutting smiles and veiled insults. But instead, she just gets Olena being Olena, like no fucks given. She's just telling really, what veil. Like, She's like what veil, yeah. What veil, yeah. <laughs> Fuck your veil, you tart. <laughs> oh, I, I love that line. Reading what Cersei line. was writing. It's got to be a dear diary entry. <laughs> dear diary, <laughs> this old lady is being super mean to me. She was playing hangman. Hangman. <laughs> 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 I gotta say, I'll, I'll give Cogman some credit here. I love the exchange. I love the thing of, of Cersei saying, "Oh, the famously tart Queen of Thorns," and then you have Elena throwing back, "And the famous tart Queen Cersei." I mean, that was beautiful. That was oh. perfect. And the look they gave each other is just like, yes, it was just oh, so yeah. delicious. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. I, guess, I did. I also love the little dig that Elena gets in um, when she compares Cersei to her father. Like she's kind of like, "Yeah, I thought your father was a cunt too, but at least I respected him." <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! So, um, oh, go ahead, Craig. Oh, I just, I just wanted to mention when um, I noticed when Elena and Marjorie are walking down the hallways that we call in the castle. I don't know, but I just wanted to give props like you were giving props, to the costume designers because they finally, sorry, they finally put the Tyrells in green and gold instead of that blue that they kept putting them in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Finally. Next episode, yeah. Daddy's going to be red. Bolton's in pink. <laughs> I'm just so relieved to be back in King's Landing. It was rough not having any Cersei last week. I needed some Cersei in my life. Uh, I can't imagine we'd be saying that, but yeah, the King's Landing stuff has been so great this season. Yeah. I've always loved the King's Landing stuff, yeah. I know, love me some Cersei. And we get some more. Oh gosh, I can wait for the walk, but that's for another episode. (laughs) So, uh, we go to the trial, which isn't a trial, a hearing. Loras faces the High Sparrow, as does Marjorie, and finally Oliver, who sings like a canary. Cersei comes to House Tyrell's defense, and Oliver mentions Loras's Dorn-shaped birthmark. Loras loses it at this point and uh, jumps up at him. And uh, he is arrested. So is Marjorie. Tolman does nothing. That's the end of it. Okay, how is a birthmark compelling evidence? Like, well, and th- they even they didn't mention look at they didn't even object. Uh, they, oh, they didn't even check. You're right. They even mentioned the fact that Oliver squired for Loris. Right. Don't squires help, you know, knights dress and undress? Well, it's that's a good point. Oh, yeah. Look at the world that they live in. I mean, how many servants would have seen that goddamn birthmark in, in Loris's lifetime? I mean, so many. Yeah, I mean, obviously the entire inquest is a farce and the outcome was predetermined, but... Come on, guys, this is shoddy circumstantial evidence. It's not a trial, damn it. Could we say, though, that Loris losing his temper and jumping out at him like that made it 
he, he was, was a little proving his oh, own Oh, man, guilt. I've got to say yeah. that both the Terrell kids have the worst poker faces I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, as soon as Oliver walks in, Loris just looks absolutely gobsmacked. Then while he's giving his uh, evidence, they both both of them have this kind of, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit face. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Do they really need to provide evidence? Because the only person more out of the clouds than uh, Loris Tyrell is probably Elton John. <laughs> this is true. Hey, are you I saying mean, that Loris is gay? Just a bit. The show has not told us that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've heard a lot of... I thought of the cocksucking with Renly was a giveaway. <laughs> I've heard a lot of criticism lately, too, about, you know, I, I think... It's something that I've been complaining about since day one when I started watching the show, which is that Loris is out of character. Um, and the fact that he has been reduced to just, um, you know, the gay character for the sake of Ellen John of Westeros, and, basically. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, it is. They have reduced him to a stereotype, and they have, um, you know, very much used him in this way. I mean, like, I'm, I'm rolling with it. Like, I'm rolling with a lot of these things, but I just wanted to kind of say, you know, I've, I've heard that criticism and. I definitely don't disagree with it. I definitely do think it, it's been poorly handled. I've been complaining about the characterization of Loras since the beginning of time. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely they, on board with that. Yeah, they've definitely glossed over the fact that he's one of the most talented knights next to Jamie. Mm-hmm. And the fact yeah. that he truly adored Renly. Renly was his one and only. Yeah, they he's even see... Just a stereotype. They say in the scene, they say, you were you were said to be despondent when he died. It's like, we hardly saw that. He was sitting by his bedside for, like, three minutes. <laughs> but we never saw that, really, after that, that the, he paid any mind to Renly. Like, I don't know, like, that he he was so affected by it. He wore his armor in battle, but then he would just go off and, like, finagle with people. You they know? couldn't even, like, had a scene with, like, Renly's armor, like, in his room or something. Like, he yeah. just had it, you know? Like, anything. Like, where but... he's caressing it, and then he puts yeah. it on into battle. And Smelling the cloak. <laughs> Going to bed. Sad. All by, my, all by myself starts playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> that just makes me wonder if Renly's armor had nipples like the Batman armor. That That's what that makes you wonder? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> like, that's where he'd be caressing, just like the armor. Just the nipples? What is it with e- Eon and Mr. Eon? They like to talk about nipples, I'm realizing. That's something about nipples. <laughs> In that household. on that one. Eon's about to meet. She's strangling him with the mic wire right now. Oh God! Eon has regrets, you guys. She has regrets about body Eon on He's right now. Like, wait, you talked about nipples on a podcast? Not only nipples, Mister Eon, but erect nipples. Horrible people. Totally outing our friend here. Okay. So uh, I think we're at the end of the episode. Does anyone want to add any parting thoughts before we just go to the wrap-up stuff? No, I think we covered I just it want to say, people's. Yeah, I just want to say in the end, you know, like, just to bring it back to the actual end of the episode, I just, you know, I think we've all been enjoying this season, and I think you could maybe listen to this podcast and say we're just bashing the show or something, but, you know, um, we've actually been enjoying most of what they've been doing, and, and this isn't about bashing something that we have all gotten some enjoyment out of over the years. I mean, definitely we've had our moments where we have 
categorically not enjoyed the show, but, um, you know, it, it, this is about critiquing something that we see. And frankly, for me personally, I'm not going to speak for anyone else, but it's just about asking for something better in the people who create the media that I consume. And, um, this is just one of those occasions where I really just, just hope that the takeaway from this is, you know, let's think twice before we just throw something like a rape scene on a show. Um, and I think it's important that, that we all kind of stand up for what we believe with that. I, I'm sure that we're going to get some mail about this or maybe not. Maybe we just won't hear anything. I don't know, but, um, I just wanted to throw that out there before we completely walked away from this whole thing. I don't know if anybody else wants to say anything. But- I just have to say, please direct all hate mail to garlandsongarden.com. Good. do catch a lot of flack from uh, the strict show watchers who haven't read the books. And uh, it needs to be said that the show does do some things better. I thoroughly enjoy show Braun. I'm glad they brought him back. And I've enjoyed a lot of the changes that they've done with this season because uh, Dance with Dragons kind of drug on for me. There was a lot of slow parts for it, but uh, they just really messed up the entire thing with the rape scene, and it, it just brought me out. It, I haven't been this pissed off at the show since the Red Wedding, but at least the Red w- Wedding had a point. Yeah, yeah. and I agree, Mister. Well yeah, I know. I know a lot of you think this way too. Is that we've. Um, we're really learning to take the show and the books kind of separately in a way, and we're learning to just enjoy watching the show sort of like people who haven't read the books. Um, but I agree with, you know, everything that you guys have said about the final scene and in, in how unnecessary it was. But um, other than that, I think the episode, I, I enjoyed the rest of the episode a lot, and uh, yeah, I'm eager to see where the rest of these plots are, are heading. Right. Even oh, the sick. goofy darn shit. Yep. <laughs> oh, I want to see more of Doran, though. I need to see more of Doran in his cool oh, wheelchair. Oh, me too. Better. Me too. <laughs> when All will right. Obara monologue next? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's got, like, arrows on that thing. He's going to fight somebody next episode, so. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Sound effects. Yes. All right. Okay. Did we even get any thank yous? We got two comments. One was an email from... From a cliff and it says hello ladies just wanted to share this with y'all at the end of the podcast you guys were debating about drogon and his flight plan i didn't think drogon was in the scene for any other reason aside from distracting the, v- the viewers from the stone men and then he sent like a, a screenshot of um in the distance there's the stone men sitting on like a an abandoned a castle or, oh I didn't notice it, to be honest. I didn't notice it. You can see them in the background, And we did get a comment from Kama, because she said out last episode, and she's sitting out this one, and she says, Dying listening listening to you guys. Oh, Lot, I am sorry that your pet theory about the 100% starkness of John is not correct. (laughs) So sad. (laughs) You need to explain that to Mr. Ian because he doesn't know this. Oh, John is John is uh, full Stark. <laughs> He's gone full Stark. Ned and, Ned and Leanna. He said John is the love child of Ned and Leanna. Because <laughs> it would be brilliant because everyone loves Jon Snow and it would be awesome if he was yeah. like a product of incest. Yeah. <laughs> it would yeah. make my life. Up, I could see Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Martin writes what he loves and he apparently loves Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, he loves his incest, man. He loves his incest. Uh, 
And she says, and I loved it when Whitey said that John should kill the boy literally. As <laughs> for was the funny. stupidity <laughs> of hanging out full nude by the window in the north, maybe they breed them hardier up there. <laughs> As usual, dramas did a great job guesting. Stannis versus Brienne, don't make us choose. 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 No. <laughs> Well, I'm not Brienne. It's an easy choice. Come on. It's for you, maybe. Yeah, but for no problem. <laughs> I, I do believe Stannis' days are numbered since they threw that little touching scene with him and his daughter in the last episode. Or Shireen's going to come to the rescue, and she's going to be the one who kills Bruce. Nah, Brienne's going to kill Stannis. Just, mm-hmm. It's just going to happen. <laughs> I think Brienne is going to be like, maybe, maybe not, maybe killing Stannis isn't the best option. Maybe I should, like, Save Sansa or something like that. That's what I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Then they run off. It's the island of unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. Hanging out with her family. <laughs> All right. So if you want to send us, uh, thank you actually, Ian, for getting those for us. Uh, if you want to send us a message, you can at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Um, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at door podcast. Please like and review us on iTunes. And, and we also please have... direct all hate mail to garlandsubterfuge.tumblr.com. <laughs> okay, we're doing that every time now. Okay. Every time. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and please, uh, follow us or support us on Patreon. And we are at patreon.com, uh, backslash close the door. Um, and just a reminder, we are planning to do a role-playing game with Wonkins as our dungeon master. As a thank and you to all of our Patreon supporters who we appreciate so much. Hell yeah, we do. Those are awesome. Yeah, and Wonkins has even like gone the extra mile, and he's actually drawn, I, I guess, character sketches of our characters <laughs> oh, that we came up with. Awesome. They are incredible. <laughs> Mine's super hot. Anyway. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for podcasting cray thank so great to have guys. you back thank we'll you have you back, to have back. Cray back. come and back happy, anytime happy to have mr eon back and yeah, mr eon well, thank you. Uh, i'm always up for another drunk cubby cast okay <laughs> so great i listened to that the other day it was amazing <laughs> hey maybe that will be a, a patreon we'll see if there's some interest for that we can make that a patreon exclusive oh god Hobbycast 2.0 <laughs> where the men's embarrass us <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly me god oh god yeah that was rough poor cheeky <laughs> okay well thanks so much for podcasting everyone have a good one take care bye everyone. bye